Welcome, everyone. Um, we had a great men's retreat um, this last weekend. We just really um, appreciated the time spent with the guys out at Camp Sela, and many of them are still there. That's why the bulk of our our uh, worship team is there. Uh, but uh, thank God for that. Um, Tom and Janet Weist, raise your hands right there. These are missionaries, and uh, they've been with us for a long time, and uh, we are so thankful for them. They're with us for this next week, and next week Tom will be speaking, and Janet will be showing, telling a little bit about their ministry, so don't miss next week. So we really love the Weists, and we're privileged and honored to be a part of their what God's called them to do. Um, so for us this week, the bulletin again says Paul's letter to the Colossians, which is really nice, but we're not going there today. Uh, I, I think that the, the secretaries or whoever puts a bulletin together is kind of giving me a hint. Like, uh, but anyway, uh, God willing, we will be going into Colossians, but not yet. So today, I just wanted to carry on a little bit about where I was last week. Um, last week I was, I mentioned this. Um, this man that God used, uh, Father Kolakovich, it, in Czechoslovakia, right at the end of World War II. He, uh, he, he, uh, was a university professor, but he could see the, the, the totalitarianism coming from Soviet Russia to take over the Eastern Bloc countries. And he was trying to prepare people for the persecution that, that lay ahead. He gathered people into these little family groups he called Rodina, which is family, it's a word for family. And th this is where the people could come and they felt free to let their hair down and speak truth about what they saw going on in their culture and, um, and he, where, they, where they didn't feel freedom to do that outside because of all the spying and the people that, um, they were Christians. Uh, many of these, these people that he gathered together were professing Christians and he encouraged them to see, judge, and act. See, that is, keep your eyes open, see what's going on around you, make conclusions about it. And then act in a way that you believe would most honor Christ. And, and the thing I mentioned last week was he kept, he said, first and foremost, most foundationally, is to give yourself totally to Jesus Christ. Remember, he, he, uh, the quote he said was, give yourselves totally to Christ. Throw on him all your worries and all your desires, for he has a wide back and you will witness miracles. And uh, it is amazing that uh, in, that, in his preparing those Christian people, many of them did suffer, and many of them were imprisoned for decades under communist-run Czechoslovakia. But, you know, in the sweet mercy and providence of God, he brought those people out of prison eventually, and they just picked up where Father Kolakovich had told them. They, they gathered together 
in small groups around the Word of God and praying, tried to see, judge, and act, in, and act in a way that would most honor Christ, and they would, they would speak against uh, things that they saw dishonored Christ, and um, they began to gather in candlelight vigils, which became known as the Velvet Revolution in Eastern Europe that overthrew, that toppled the communistic regime of the Soviet Union that we witnessed in, our, in my own lifetime. Um, and so I, I find that history very interesting but very instructive for our situation today. I, feel, I, I believe that we are in a situation where Hostility against Christ and the things that Jesus Christ loves, hostility against those things is increasing. Um, the family, the, the, the traditional family, is not just traditional, it was Jesus' idea. It's his design. Uh, one man and one woman, as long as you both shall live, uh, that whole idea was Jesus' idea. And uh, male and female, he created them. That was Jesus' idea. So um, th there are increasing opposition to the things that of, of Christ and the things that Christ holds as precious. And so I think we are going to face more and more challenges as Christians, more and more opposition. And so I think it's wise and good for us to give ourselves totally to Jesus Christ, but not just as a means of preparing us for persecution, but the Bible commands that, doesn't it? And last week, remember, we looked at that passage where Jesus said, if anyone loves father or mother more than me, he is not worthy to be my disciple. If anybody loves son or daughter more than me, he's not worthy to be my disciple. And, um, and I believe, I just want to pick that up again. I want to pick that up again, because uh, this last week I had some conversations with people, and um, I think some people walk away from these kind of statements in the Bible and say, man, I just, I just don't know if, I'm, if I can be a follower of Jesus. So I want to pick that same theme up again today, and I, want to, I, I, I don't want to take anything away from what Jesus has already said. I just want to say... I just want to look at more of what Jesus said uh, in another place. And so this comes from um, the book of Mark. So if you have your, your Bibles, if you're using a pew Bible, this will be uh, Mark chapter 10. In a pew Bible, this is page 1006 or 1006. Mark 10, we'll start at verse 17. Just before I read the Bible with you, I'd like to pray and ask God to help. If you would join me in prayer. Father, we want to humble ourselves before you. You are great and you are good. You are both of those things. You are greater than we can imagine and you are more good than we ever dreamed. 
We just want to confess that to you. We, 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 we want to say praise and honor belong to you. Thank you so much for what you've done for us in sending Jesus into this world. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, as we come to the Bible this morning, would you help us? Please help me as I try to preach to not cloud or muddy the waters, but to only make clear and plain what the meaning of the scriptures are. Lord, please help me to, to, to be faithful to your word and help us all, myself included, as we listen and hear your word. And I just pray, Holy Spirit of God, would you come and have your way with us. Just mold us and shape us underneath the shaping power of your word. And I just ask, Lord, that you would work in us and on us in a way so that our hearts would be changed in a, more in a way that pleases you and that we would, we would leave here better than, we, than when we came, that we would draw closer to you, that we would be, be more receptive to you, that we'd be more worshipful of you, so please help us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Mark chapter 10, I'm going to start reading at verse 17. And, he, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give, it, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, <clears throat> how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. And they said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. P Peter began to say to him, See, we, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold 
Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. The word of the Lord. There's so many things I like about this event when Jesus talks to this rich young ruler, but the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and uh, right away he says, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? I'm after the, I'm after the real deal. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with God forever. And uh, Jesus right away it's just interesting the way Jesus responds to people. But he said, why, why do you call me good? There's nobody good except God. Now, <clears throat> God alone. Now, when Jesus is saying that, I want you to know what Jesus is not doing is denying that he himself is good. Or he's not denying that he himself is God. He's just asking that man that question. I think what he wants that man to do is Think about the words he's using and especially who it is he's talking to. But then Jesus goes on to point him to the commandments. <laughs> Has anybody ever come to you and said, man, I just, I just want to be with God. I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to live with God forever. Have you, and you said, well, let's start with the Ten Commandments. I mean, we typically don't do that, right? Jesus starts with the Ten Commandments and says, well, you know the commandments, and starts listing some of them. Does it, does it list them all? And the man, who obviously was a very religious or a very uh, diligent man, said, I've kept all of these from since I was a young man. And of course, Jesus knows our hearts. He knows everyone's hearts. And uh, I, I just love... What Jesus says in verse, what, what the Bible says in verse 21, Jesus looking at him loved him. I just love that. I, I, I love the fact that even though this man ends up in the end in this story going away without Jesus, Jesus loved him. I think that that's, there's an awful lot there. We're, that's not the main point of this message, but there's an awful lot there. If we are Christians, and we are Christians are those who follow Christ, we want to be like Christ. And Jesus loved people, even those who turned away. Like this, this man. And of course, Jesus knew what, 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 what he said. One thing you lack. This is verse 21. Go sell all you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Jesus knew that the man was idolizing, was leaning on, was, was banking on his riches to give him his satisfaction, his sense of security, more than Jesus. The, the, I don't know exactly how the body language was here. It doesn't tell us, but I can picture Jesus saying, you're holding on to your money bag. 
here's my hand. Drop your money bag and take my hand. Leave it. Sell, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. And take my hand and follow me. I can picture Jesus doing that gesture. I don't know that he did, but at least the words, we have the words recorded from Mark. Sell what you have, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And, and the text says he went away, he was so disheartened. Well, look, look, was this? Verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus and said to his disciples how difficult it'll be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus knew that this was the thing, this was the one thing that stood between that man following him or not, and that was his, his love and his cherishing of his wealth. Now, you know, uh, Jesus knows all people's hearts, and he knows what it is. It might, 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 might be my pride, Pride keeps a lot of people from following Jesus because they don't want to look like a stupid person in the break room at work. They don't want to be mocked by their friends at the ball game. I still remember as a kid in junior high, when I, I've told this story before, but when I, I started going to the prayer meeting that was gathering at noon recess, and you know, it's like for crying out loud, you have to have that at noon recess, really? But you know, I used to always go play ball out on the playground because I was a sports guy. And, you know, first time I went to the prayer, prayer meeting, all my buddies goes, Hey, Woods, where are you going? I'm going to a prayer meeting. What? And they mocked me. And um, it doesn't feel good to be mocked. And you know what I found out? Even as a grown adult, Peer pressure is way stronger than we like to admit. We, 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 it's not just a teenage thing. We do, we, we, our pride many times will keep us from following Jesus. It could be our money. It could be our pride. It could be our lust. Lust keeps people from following Jesus. There's a thousand things that could fill this space, but Jesus knows each one of us, and he knows what it is, what that thing is, that, that stands between us and him. And he knew it in this, this man's case. And he looked around at his disciples. This is a sad scene. We don't know, maybe, I like to think that maybe later, maybe year, a, a year later, I don't know, maybe this guy comes running up to Jesus and says, I sold it! I'm in! You know? I'd love that. I'd love that that would be the end of the story. But all we know is that at this point, he walks away still holding on to his, his money bag rather than following Jesus. So, this is only reiterating much of what I said last week. Jesus, whatever it is that stands between us and him, he will ask us to lay it down. He'll ask us to lay it down. But I want to finish what this, this text says because I think there's something else in here for us. Jesus looked around, verse 23, and said to his disciples, how difficult it'll be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom. And his disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. 
it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And, you know, some, some people say, oh, there was, a, there was a gate in ancient Jerusalem called the needle's eye where camels had to unload their packs and stuff. I just want to say there's no evidence to show that that's true. <laughs> so Jesus isn't just saying this is really hard. He's saying this is impossible. You can't put a, think of a needle needle, like a real needle needle. You can't get a camel through a needle's eye. At least I've never seen a camel that you could put through a needle's eye. And what Jesus is saying is not just hard, it's impossible. This is impossible. And then look at the disciples' response. Verse 26, they were, they were amazed back at verse 24, but now in 26, they're exceedingly amazed. They were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Well, then who can be saved? I think the disciples all realize, Wow. He's asking us for full devotion. And, 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 and they asked the question, then who can be saved? Who is it that can be? And Jesus looked at them and said, verse 27, with man, it is impossible. What's the it? What's the it go back to? What's the antecedent for the pronoun it? Saved. Who can be saved? Not, not the pronoun or whatever that is, it. The word goes back to the ones who can be saved. Salvation is impossible with man. It's impossible for you to love God enough to be one of Jesus' disciples. It's impossible for you to be good enough or to repent good enough, or to have faith good enough. With man, it's impossible to be saved. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 27. But not with God. Hallelujah. For all things are possible with God. It's even possible for this rich young ruler with God to be saved. It's even possible for Drew Woods It's possible for you with God. What, this is what I want to. This is how I want to fill in what I said last week. Anyone who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. So you must love Jesus supremely. Give yourself totally to Christ. That was my message last week. I, I believe that's true. But guess what, brothers and sisters? It's impossible for us to do that on our own. But it's not impossible for God to help us do that. You know, we, we, we sang Jesus. I want to shout Jesus in over the, from the mountains, in the streets. I want to shout Jesus over every stronghold. That's a beautiful song. You know, what's so, you know what's so powerful about the name of Jesus? It's the person of Jesus. And his name, he said, the angel said to Joseph, you're, you're going to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus... Uh, 
the Hebrew form Yeshua means Yahweh saves. God saves. Jesus means God saves. God saves the likes of me and the likes of you. So what I want to say is when Jesus gives these these hard words, I'm not taking anything away from the hard words, but what I am saying is I want to add to it what he adds here. It's impossible for us on our own. It's impossible for us on our own to get our hearts in the way that is worthy of Jesus. But it's not impossible for God to get us there. Just take his hand. And then Peter goes on and says, well, in in this uh, passage, verse 28, Peter began to say to him, well, see, we've left everything and followed you. And I think what Peter was saying, well, what about us? I mean, we have sacrificed. Of course, Peter still had a wife. Peter still had some fishing equipment based on John 21, might have still had a boat, I don't know. He had some stuff. But he said, we've left everything to follow you. He he was focused on the sacrifice, and he wanted Jesus to see that. Look at how Jesus responds. Jesus said to him, truly, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many are first will be last, the last first. What was Jesus saying there? Jesus wanted to get his eyes off of the sacrifice and onto the reward. Jesus is saying, Peter, nobody gives up anything for my sake that I don't make up to them. houses, lands. Jesus will either see to it that you have within within the, the mission that he's bringing you on, following him, he will either satisfy you better than a father or mother, or he'll put you with his people. Who You can have father and mother, sister, brothers, brothers and sister relationships closer than even biological family. Somehow Jesus is going to pay you back a hundredfold in this life for following him, but it'll be mixed with persecution. It'll be hard. There'll be sweet. There'll be sweeter things than you've tasted outside of Christ, but there'll be hard times. But in the age to come, eternal life with him forever. Somehow Jesus is going to make it well worth your while to sacrifice. So he takes Peter's attention off this, what Peter leaves behind, and he puts it onto the reward. But he does say in verse 31, many who, who are first will be last, and the last first. And I think what he means is from this world's perspective, many people who are high and envied and wow, that would be the life to have, will be last. And the people who are 
The Apostle Paul said, if we have hope of Christ in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Following Jesus looks like a low life. Sometimes you, you spend your money, you spend your health, you spend your resources to advance his kingdom, and you associate with the lowly. And you go on mission with Jesus. And that, it, from the world's perspective, that looks like, wow, that's last place. And I think that's what Jesus means in verse 31. Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first when he uses that. Uh, the way things appear in this world now are, are upside down compared to what they will truly be as far as the first being last and the last being first. So in conclusion in this sermon, I just want to focus on this. It is impossible to be saved on our own, by loving Jesus enough. By, sometimes we can even take what the Bible says and we must repent, we must turn from sin and trust in him. And, and sometimes we, we even say, well, I don't know if I'm repenting good enough, if I'm really turning good enough. And we can make it about ourselves. Faith, by nature, faith looks away from self to Jesus. Faith looks to an object outside of itself to hang on. Okay? Saving faith looks away from myself to the Lord Jesus. I, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the commitment. I don't have, all I got is sin. Jesus, save me and change me. You know, you know, I remember skiing years ago on a chairlift, and a guy said to me, I'm so glad Jesus takes us just the way we are. And I said, I am too, but I'm glad he doesn't leave me that way. <laughs> and that's what's so beautiful. If, he will t if we will just take his hand, he will lead us step by step into a life that is radically different. It's a new direction. Not, not perfection, but it's a new And he will lead us to a place where we do love him as our greatest treasure and our prize. I have a question for you this morning. Do you trust Jesus to overcome every obstacle to you enjoying God forever? That's what heaven, but that's what heaven's going to be, by the way. Heaven won't be the premier hunting setup. Heaven won't be the perfect football game. Although I, I, I think there will be football there, but. You know what heaven will be? It will be enjoying God in his presence. And he'll have a smile on his face. And we will be as we ought to be. We will be as we ought to be. Isn't that great? Do you trust Jesus to overcome every obstacle that stands in the way of you enjoying God forever? Do you trust him that the righteous, the just, died for the unjust? He died for me, the just for the unjust, in order to bring us to God. Do you trust him to bring you to God?
Do you trust him to bring you to God? And I'm just asking you, I, I plead with you, do. Just bank on him to bring you to God and to make you as you ought to be. Just reach out and take his hand and trust him. And don't worry about what he calls you to lay down. He will call you to lay down stuff. Just trust him. Take his hand. Because all that stuff in just a few short years will feel really, really small. And enjoying God forever will feel huge as it really is. It really is huge. Trust him like a little child to overcome every obstacle. I, I'm, I have a friend who's a college professor, and sometimes I, I meet with this guy, and uh, he's a Christian, and I really respect him. He's a great guy. But we, I was talking to him one time about Christian assurance, like it's one thing to put our trust in Jesus and to be in a state of grace where God declares us righteous. Close, closely akin to that, but a distinctly different thing is knowing for sure that I am. And um, the Westminster Confession, the London Baptist Confession, both talk about assurance of salvation um, as a thing that can be shaken from a, from a particular sin pattern or maybe even a violent temptation. You haven't even given into the temptation and you're tempted very severely. Or maybe sometimes God just seems to be hiding and it's like you pray and you don't feel like your prayers are getting past the ceiling and it just seems like, are you, do you, are you out there? And, and, and the, uh, the confession of faith says sometimes our, our assurance can be shaken, but with continuing using the means that he's given us, the word of God and prayer and Christian fellowship, the Holy Spirit within us, in due time, will revive that, that sense of assurance. And, um, but anyway, back to the college professor, friend of mine. I was talking to him about Christian assurance one time, and he says, you know, I think we get assurance wrong. We, 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 get, we, we look at ourselves... And we look at the Bible and we say, man, I fall really far, far, far short. And we have to be honest with ourselves and the Bible. We do. And we have to admit, Jesus, I fall short. But this, this friend of mine said, we got to look away from ourselves in the final analysis. We got to look to Jesus and say, you said... You're a friend of sinners. You said two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a religious guy and one was a tax collector. And the religious guy was praying to himself over on this side saying, God, thank you that I'm not like other men, like, you know, adulterers, crooks, even like this tax collector over here. Meanwhile, the tax collector over here was, wasn't even willing to lift his eyes up to heaven, but he beat on his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus is teaching us there the manner and the attitude in which 
we come to him. We come not boasting, what a good boy am I. Look at all I've done. We come saying, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm the sinner. But if we look away from ourselves to the one who has mercy on sinners, there's hope. There's tons of hope. With God, all things are possible. Even the Drew Woods cases. And my, my friend was saying to me, I like to, here's what he said. He said, I like to think of assurance as Peter in the boat. Remember, remember the story of Peter in the boat? And Jesus is walking on the water and, and Peter goes, hey, if that's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out and starts walking. And it's like, I'm walking on the water. And then he starts to look down takes his eyes off of Jesus, he starts to look down, he looks around, right around his own surroundings, and he starts to sink, and he says, Lord, save me! And Jesus saves him. And, and this college professor said, that's the way I like to look at assurance. Keep your, keep your eye on Jesus and what he's promised. Don't do an introspective nosedive where you just start analyzing how, how do I measure up? How do I, I mean, there has to be at some level you have to be honest and say, I don't measure up. And, and, and there's an honesty also with the Bible that when Jesus makes a change, you can tell there's a change of direction and you start following his ways. You don't do it perfectly, but you do it really. And you can tell there's a change in your life. So I'm not saying never look at yourself, but I'm saying in the final analysis, the assurance of our salvation, brothers and sisters, rests on the promises of Jesus Christ. It rests on the perfection of Jesus Christ who hung on that cross for us and said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. And he said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He said... Keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, and the door will be open to you. I think if this rich young ruler would have said, Jesus, I don't want to hold on to my money. I just can't let it go. Would you help me? I think Jesus would have said, said the word, and the man would have dropped it. So uh, that's how I want to leave these little miscellaneous messages. Uh, and this is not just about preaching sermons. This is about us and where we're, how we stand before the Lord. So I plead with you, take his hand, trust him, trust him. You don't, and I'll tell you, it's going to be a wild ride. It'll be a wild ride. You, he, might, he might call you to some weird little village in the mountains of Peru where you eat flying ants. <laughs> but you will be glad. You will be glad if you will take his hand and follow him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, I thank you for the promises of your word these exceedingly great and precious promises are the means for us escaping 
the corruption that's in the world by lust. And they are the means of which we become partakers of your Holy Spirit and the divine nature. And they are the means, these prompt, believing in your promises are the means through which we are saved. And we can walk with you in this life and live with you forever in glory beyond. So Lord, would you help us today to believe your promises more than the promises that sin makes to us. Lord, we can't do this unless you help us. So we're asking, Lord Jesus, if you're a, if you're a Savior that saves washouts, if you're a Savior who saves derelicts, if you're a Savior who saves sinners, then save us.